Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. A few years ago, there was a story in the... Um, in the newspaper, I'm not sure if you saw it, but there was a man named Angelo, Angelo Maurice Patti, and it was his lucky day. Uh, he was actually at a, at a gambling casino, and he went to the ATM, and as he put his uh, card in the a- ANZ ATM, it started spitting out $50 bills. And uh, he, he was pretty excited. Uh, he later in the day went to another ATM and the same thing happened. $50 bills spitting out from his ATM. Uh, one day he emptied $51,000 from one ATM. And on the same day, another ATM, he got 88000 139000 in one day. Uh, what's surprising is his, his account was in, in the red, $200. So he's getting all this money out of the ATM, uh, despite being in the red. And, and you know, over the next eight months, this 38 invalid pensioner withdrew $1.8 million. It's amazing, ANZ's still in business today. just kept giving him money, bit of a glitch in the system. And Angelo not only thought it was his lucky day, he knew how to spend that money. And so he got a share portfolio together of about a half a million dollars. He bought himself a Harley Davidson that he never drove because he didn't have a license. Uh, he hid about 150000 in a shed at the back of his de facto wife's house. He gambled a heap of the money away. Eventually, <laughs> he was arrested. Eventually, after two casinos uh, noticed lots of money going out of their machines, eventually he was arrested and charged with theft of $1.8 million. Now, uh, Angelo's story is unique, probably hasn't happened to any of us, uh, but it's not new. Uh, It's something that represents some aspects of money that have been around for a long time. And we're going to turn to Ecclesiastes 5 today. I understand you're doing a series through the book of Ecclesiastes. And so I'm going to read Ecclesiastes 5 verses 10 onwards. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. In fact, uh, thanks, Claudia. We're going to bring that up on the screen now. Let's let's look at what the author here has to say. Those who love money (laughs) will never have enough. This is over 2,000 years ago this was written. How meaningless to think that wealth can bring you true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. How many would say amen to that? So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much, but the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. There's another serious problem I've seen under the sun. Hoarding riches harms the saver. Money is put into risky investments that turn sour and everything is lost. In the end, there's nothing left to pass on to one's children. We all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. Continuing, and this too is a very serious problem. People leave this world no better off than when they came. All their hard work is for nothing, like working for the wind. Throughout their lives, they live under a cloud, frustrated, discouraged, and angry. How many are feeling encouraged this morning? 
It gets better. Verse 18, even so, I've noticed one thing at least that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them to accept their lot in life. It is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work, to accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they have no time to brood over the past. Uh, Ecclesiastes, as you've been learning, is uh, part of the wisdom literature in the Old Testament part of our Bible. And it addresses many existential questions, including the, the meaning of life. And so in chapter 5, it begins with uh, being careful in how we approach God with our words, our promises, and our vows. talks about oppression of the poor and then injustice. And then we have that section that we just read about wealth. Now, a little tip. Um, preachers get nervous talking about two topics. One is sex and one is money. I'll do the money talk today and I'll save the sex talk for one of your team. <laughs> so let's talk about your money matters. You know, the truth is we live in one of the richest countries in the world. You know, 10% of the world's population lives on a few dollars a day or less. So in comparison, every one of us in this room are rich. You know, sometimes when we hear the word rich, we think of someone with more than us. But the truth is, all of us are very, very blessed. And yet the truth is, many Australians, including many Christians, are under financial pressure. And credit card debt is growing. And you know, when there's financial pressure in our life, it affects every area of our life. Angelo uh, allowed the power of money to end up destroying his life. You know, money is something we'll either control or it will control us. And if we allow it to control us, it can be a little bit like a monster that really wreaks havoc in our life. And so I want to draw a few lessons just from our text today. Uh, first of all, about the dangers of money. Uh, the, the author here has really reflected about wealth and money, and money has great power either for the positive or the negative. And so the first danger of money is, number one, money can be addictive. Uh, that's our first uh, point here coming up on the slide there. Thanks, Claudia. Uh, money can be Addictive. We see this in Angelo's life. He couldn't help himself. He kept, uh, you know, the, the money kept coming out and he kept spending wildly for the next eight months. He wanted more and more and more. He never had enough. 10,000, 100,000, a million, eventually 1.8 million. You know, sometimes the more you get, the more you want. And money has this addictive power. Notice verse 10 those who love money will never have enough. Those who love money will never have enough. And so one of the challenges with money is uh, it, it can become addictive. And we live in a world where greed can destroy our contentment. Comparison can destroy our contentment. Looking at other people that may have more than us or better than us, uh, money has this addictive component. Uh, Paul would have read Ecclesiastes, and he says in 1 Timothy 6, 9 to 11, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money 
is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have even wandered from the faith. Uh, so nothing wrong with money, but the love of money uh, can actually end up being something addictive in our life. We've got to have more and more and more and more. Second danger of money, number two, is money can be deceptive. Number two, money can be deceptive. Angelo wrongly believed that his money would bring him happiness. But it, but it actually didn't. And Ecclesiastes says this in verse 10, How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. You know, research has been done today. And, you know, after our basic needs have been met, we've got enough to feed ourselves, a roof over our heads, somewhere to sleep. After our basic needs have been met, having extra wealth doesn't mean additional happiness. Research proves that if someone's extremely wealthy, it doesn't mean they're that much more happier than someone else. In fact, I remember when we went to Africa the first time we took our kids, we were doing some mission work there. And I remember my second son, Ashley, you know, I've seen all the African kids, a lot of poverty. He says, you know, Dad, it's amazing. These kids have hardly nothing, but they're so happy. It was interesting, you know. Uh, back here, we've got all our gadgets and all of our stuff. They had very little, but there was a joy, a happiness. You know, w wealth can be very deceptive. We think if we just have that bigger house, that faster car, that newer iPhone, whatever it may be, we, we actually believe the lie that if we just have that, then we'll be happy. But wealth is not the answer. Uh, if your parents, how many know at Christmas you buy all those new pre presents? How many days is it till they're laying on the floor? Come on. Not too long. And, and you know, us big kids aren't that much different. You know, my dad used to say the difference between the, 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 uh, the, uh, the boys and the men is the price they pay. No, the difference between the men and the boys is the price they pay for their toys. And, and you know, even us adults, you know, we, we, we want something, we save it, and then we get it. And you know what? There's a bit of a buzz, a bit of an excitement, but before long, it's kind of lost its novelty. And it's lying around and we're moving on to the next thing. Money can be deceptive. Thirdly, money can be destructive. <laughs> we see this in Angelo's life. You know, you know, what he did was wrong. It was unethical. He was stealing money. Actually, there was a glitch in the ANZ system on the mainframe commuter. But, but you know what? It was his continual withdrawals that ended up getting him caught. If he would have stopped at a million, you know what? They probably would have never known. It was his greed that ended up pushing to the point where eventually two ATMs were emptied and they got his attention. So in the end, it was his greed that destroyed him. Uh, verses 11 and 12 says, The more you have, the more people come to spend it. What good is wealth? And it goes on to say, The rich seldom get a good night's sleep. Now, we're not going to... We're not going to um, rubbish money, as it were, but, but you know, extra wealth can bring extra pressure. Uh, ask anyone here today, if you've got a share portfolio, there's probably a little anxiety that comes with that. If you've got a property portfolio and tenants to deal with, there's a little extra stress with that. If, if you're running a business today, again, there's nothing wrong with those things, but extra wealth actually brings some extra pressure, some extra anxiety, some extra stress that come into our world. And so if we're not careful, more, 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 more can actually be something destructive in our life. And then the fourth uh, aspect that we learn from this text, number four, is money is only temporal. <laughs> you know, Angelo thought his money would last forever, 
but, but, but it didn't. Uh, before long, it was all gone, and he was arrested. Money doesn't last forever. Look at verse 15 to 16. We come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. Um, those of you parents have been there at the birth of your child. How many know they arrive with nothing? Come on, they come naked, not even an instruction manual, not a little, uh, you know, day pack. They arrive with nothing, and what do we leave with? Come on, work with me. Nothing. No, they do dress you, you know, if, if, before you go. So, you know, but, but we arrive with nothing, we leave with nothing. I've never, fo- I've never seen a Hirsch going down the road with a U-Haul trailer behind it. You, you don't take any, you come with nothing and you leave with nothing. How much does the millionaire leave? All of it. <laughs> it, leaves, it leaves the millionaire. You can't take it with you. And this is what the author's saying. You know, you might end up with a lot of wealth. Be careful. It, it's addictive, it's deceptive, it's destructive, and it's temporal. It, it doesn't go with you when life is all. Over. Now, now, if we pause here, we could go, well, so, so what's, what's the, the advice here? Should we all just be poor? Although poverty can, can be very destructive too. Uh, the, the writer of Proverbs says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Uh, I think the key thing is it's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. And, and so the issue is not having money. It's is our money controlling us? Or are we in control of our finances? I don't think God minds us having money or wealth as long as our wealth doesn't have us, isn't destroying our contentment, our sense of joy, and our sense of peace. Money actually has a positive power. Let's, let's look at a couple of benefits of money under our next slide. Uh, number one, money can meet our basic needs. You know, if you need to buy a coffee today, if you need to buy a meal, need to put some petrol in your car, uh, money has the ability to exchange for a service or a product to meet our basic needs. And God's interested in your needs. You know, poverty, I don't believe, is God's will for anybody. Poverty has a lot of destructive aspects to it. Jesus is interested. Remember Matthew 6, don't worry, what are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? What will you wear? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So God knows our needs. And he goes on to say, if you seek first his kingdom, all of these things will be given to you as well. Paul picks this up, Philippians 4.19. My God will meet all your needs, not your greeds, your needs according to his riches in glory. And so money actually helps us to meet some of our basic needs. If we don't have any money, if we don't have any resources, then we can't meet those basic and essential needs. Secondly, money can be used for our enjoyment. Uh, I want you to notice in Ecclesiastes that after a pretty pessimistic outlook on wealth, the, the tone changes and he says, it is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy the work God has given them. Later on, he says, enjoy your work. And so not only is money good for our basic needs, but it can be used for our enjoyment. And God wants us to enjoy and to celebrate life. Uh, He wants to give us good gifts as his children. Uh, God gives us the power to get wealth and then to use that wealth to meet our needs and to uh, live a life that we enjoy, to celebrate, to enjoy good things. And so there's a a sense of of celebration and the goodness of God. Uh, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I shall not lack, I'll have 
all that I need. And then thirdly, uh, another benefit of money is money can meet the needs of others. Uh, Money has great power, not just to meet my needs for my enjoyment, to be a blessing to others, to help a friend or a family member in need, to, to, to buy some some food or some clothes for the poor, to send out some mission workers, to support the work of the church. Uh, Money money can be a benefit to others. Were there any visitors here today? Was was anyone visiting here for the first time? Did did we have any visitors? No? Did you say there was a couple of visitors here today? Have they disappeared? Are you visiting today? What's your name? Delphi. Delphi. This is for you, man. (laughs) Yeah, no, seriously. It's for you. Enjoy. Most churches, yeah. No, I, no, you must have it. Thank you. You know, most churches are criticized for always wanting your money. At LifeGate, they give money away. Guess what? There's going to be a lot of visitors next week. That's yours. Seriously. No, just enjoy it. Buy some lunch. Do, it, do what you want with it. Um, First, Paul again, Paul, I reckon, gleaned a lot from Ecclesiastes. Listen to 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. Tell those who are rich, that's all of us, not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which will soon be gone. Their trust should be in God, who gives us richly all we need for our enjoyment. Notice the same word as Ecclesiastes. God gives us money for our enjoyment, tell them to use their money to do good, to be rich in good works, and to give generously to those who are in need. Always be ready to share with others whatever God has given them. By doing this, they'll be storing up treasure in the future. Can you see the whole thing that God gives us? He blesses us so that we can meet our needs, we can enjoy life. It's good to celebrate and enjoy, but also to be willing to give, to bless, to meet other people's needs, to be generous to those around about you. And so I think these are some good thoughts around your money matters. Beware of the dangers of money, but also see the power and the potential also in your finances. I want to just in our last section today, just just talk a little bit practically about money. You know, at church sometimes we mention a bit about giving, but you know, managing your finances is far broader than just uh, giving from time to time. Under the next slide, there's four questions you need to ask your Yourself on a regular basis. We're coming up to the end of financial year. Uh, June is next month. So just look at these four questions coming up on the slide now. You need to know four things. Number one, what do you own? <laughs> what do you own? This could be some cash in your wallet, could be a house, a car, furnishings, tools, investments, a stamp collection. Uh, This refers to your assets. Do you know what you own? What are your assets? Do a little bit of assessment. Secondly, what do you owe? (laughs) This is our liabilities. Uh, you know, what do you owe the bank? What do you owe grandma? <laughs> what do you owe your credit card uh, supplier if you have a credit card? These are your liabilities. Now, one and two are very important. In fact, those two together form what's called a balance sheet, and all the accountants are really enjoying church this morning. 
A balance sheet has your assets and then your liabilities, and you subtract your liabilities from your assets, and hopefully there's a positive figure there, which means you have a, 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 an equity or a positive net worth. That's your balance sheet. And let me just say here, the percentages and proportions are more important than the actual amounts. For instance, let's say your assets are a million dollars right now. Oh, wow, you're a millionaire. But let's say your debts are 1.2 million, then your actual net worth is minus $200,000. Are you with me? If in contrast, your assets are $100,000, but your liabilities are only $80,000, then your net worth is $20,000. You are more well off. You're in a better financial position than the person with a million dollars. Are you following me? It's not the amounts, it's the percentages. Are your liabilities less than your assets? If not, then you're in a, a potentially destructive debt environment that if that doesn't change, that's going to be difficult for you. So, so that's one and two. Then number three is what do you earn? This is your income. Uh, could be some wages, could be some government payments, investment returns, gifts, royalties from that hit song you wrote in 1990. What's your income? What's coming in? All the money that's coming in. You need to know where that is. Secondly, where does it go? How many would like to know the answer to that? Where does it go? In other words, where do you spend it? This includes your living expenses, accommodation, food, clothing, loan, debt repayments, etc. And so you need, to, you need to know these four things. If you're going to manage your finances well, you need to know your assets and liabilities. You need to know all your money coming in and where is it going. Now again, the percentages are more important than the amounts. Let me give you an illustration. Let's say you're on $100,000 a year coming in and you're spending 120,000 a year then you have a net loss for the year of $20,000 you're going further into debt if you only make $50,000 a year but you're spending $40,000 a year then you've made a profit of $10,000 for the year and you are better off financially than the person making 100 grand are you with me it's got nothing to do with the amounts. It's all about the ratios and the percentages. And so income and expenses. Now, this is really important. Uh, get some help to do this. Get a computer program, do a basic accounting course. But if you're going to manage your finances well, you need to know these amounts. And obviously, as you spend less than you earn, then your assets grow and your liabilities come down and you're in a healthy position financially. And so hop up on the scale. Do the How many know the numbers don't lie? <laughs> hop up on the scale in the next couple of weeks and just go, how am I doing financially? This is part of discipleship. If you're a Christian here today, how am, I, am I healthy financially or am I a little overweight? <laughs> am I a little out of balance when it comes to my finances? And, and so that's the first step to do. The, the second thing I want to finish up with today is just the power of a budget. You know, if you don't take control of your money, your money will control you. Money is a great servant, but a terrible taskmaster. 
And a budget is simply a plan for earning and spending your money wisely. Uh, some of you are saying, uh, this sounds a little bit like Accounting 101. Well, I thought we were preaching from the Bible today, so I can hear some of you thinking. I'm glad you asked. Jesus said this, Luke 14.28. Luke 14.28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will you not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? How many know Jesus invented the budget? It all goes back to Jesus. What does Jesus say? If you're going to build something, sit down and estimate the cost and see if you have enough. Jesus is talking about the power of a budget. Anyone ever watch Grand Designs? It's a really cool program. About how many know most buildings go above budget and over time? Jesus is saying, listen... <laughs> You know, if you want to be wise, and he's comparing this discipleship, sit down and estimate the cost, the power of a budget. Uh, we don't have time to talk about income and your earning side, but in your budget, you need a plan to do three things. Here they are coming up on the screen now. You need a plan for giving, saving, and spending. Giving, plain, giving uh, onto the next slide, thanks, Claudia. Uh, you need a plan for giving, saving, and spending. Most people only plan to spend their money, <laughs> and they spend it like Angelo. It goes, 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 goes. We need to be able to do three things. Number one is to give. Uh, I think a good principle is to give 10% to God and his work. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first. Everyone say first. With the first fruits of all your crops, not the leftovers. The first. So the first, when you get some income coming in, the first thing is, God, you provided my job. You're my source. Give some to God's work. In the Old Testament, law, uh, tithing was a law. I think today it's a good principle. And so just give 10% to God's work. Secondly, number two is to, to save, to pay yourself. Come on, you got up in the morning, you went to work, you earned some money. Uh, take another 10%, put it in a savings or an investment account or a facility. Uh, Proverbs 21.20, here's a great verse. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. The Living Bible says, the wise person saves for the future, but the foolish person spends whatever they get. This, this is wisdom 2,000 years ago. It says, if you're a saver, you're wise, you're smart. If you're not saving, you're foolish. Later on, it talks about the ant. How many know ants are very little, but they have very smart brains? In fact, in Proverbs 6, it says, Go and look at the ant. They have no prince, governor, or ruler to make them work. They labor hard all summer, saving food for the winter. These ants are tiny, but they have little brains. And so when there's a lot of stuff, a lot of food there, they save for an economic downturn in Ansylvania. Ants actually save for the future. We're bigger than ants, <laughs> bigger bodies, but often we don't save. We're spending everything. And then when there's an emergency or an opportunity to help someone, we've got nothing saved up. You know, we often commend the Good Samaritan for his compassion. Remember the man on the road to Jericho? We say, oh, isn't he compassionate? We don't commend him for his financial management. He had a donkey, not an Uber donkey, a donkey. 
And he actually picked the man up, put him on his donkey, went to the inn, said, I'll cover this night, and if there's any more, I'll, I'll pay for it. It wasn't just his compassion. He'd had resources saved that he was able to help. So be a giver. Secondly, be a saver. And then thirdly, endeavor to spend 80% or less of your income. This is where you pay for your food and housing and transportation. Come on, you've honored God, you've saved money for the future, and now you live on 80% of your income. One of the challenges to the 80% and one of the major budget busters of this plan is something called impulse buying. You know there's an entire industry that exists to make you uncomfortable with, you ha with what you have and to spend more? It's called the advertising industry. And it's constantly telling you to buy the latest, the greatest, the newest, the fastest. And so the one, number one budget buster is impulse buying, where we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. Not you, people in other churches. You know, some of us, our heart starts beating just at the price, just at the sight of the word sale. You know, something was $100 on sale for $50. We come home and say, hey, we saved $50. No, you didn't save $50. You just spent $50. Impulse buying. You know women do this more than men? It's a fact. Women do impulse buying more than men. But you know what? Men do it on larger amounts. Come on. I, just, I lost the women and then I got them back. Yeah. Go, girls. Guys, let me say that extra pair of shoes probably isn't going to bust the budget, but that new smart TV you just bought, <laughs> it just might. Yeah, men, we don't do it as much, but we do it on larger amounts. Here's my point. The number one problem in Australia today is people are spending more than they're earning. And if you want to be financially free, the key is to spend less than you earn and save and invest the difference. If you do that over a long period of time, you will be financially free. Now, some of you are going, I, I, I can't do this. I couldn't live on 80%. If you can't live on 80%, you've got two options. Earn more money, get a higher paying job, upgrade your skills, work some extra hours, get a part-time job. Again, they all have ramifications, so think about it. Earn more money or reduce your expenses. Downsize your living standards to match your income. They are your options. I'll tell you a story about that in a moment. In fact, we were in Ecclesiastes 4 last week. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 6 says this, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing the wind. Anyone heard of minimalism? It's right there. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 6, Better one handful with peace and tranquility than two handfuls with stress and chasing the wind. I, I preached this message when I was at City Life, and at the end, a woman came forward. She was a regular attendant at, at our church, and she'd invited her husband today, and he wasn't a Christian. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, he's come to church, and I'm preaching on money. But they were teary-eyed. They said, your message today was so relevant for us. They were living in a big five-bedroom house. They had a huge mortgage, and they were arguing. There was tension in the marriage, and I was talking about managing your finances, and maybe if you can't do this, you should downsize. I prayed for them. Three months later, I saw them. They'd sold their house, 
maybe three to six months, that they'd, they'd sold their house, they'd bought a smaller house with a, a lower mortgage, uh, they um, ha- had started a family, she was expecting a child, he'd become a Christian, and they came up and they were so full of joy. <laughs> I, I can't quite describe the difference. Can you see better one handful with tranquility and peace than twice as much? They now had less, but they had so much joy. It's not for everybody, but sometimes... You know, we just go bigger, 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 bigger. Maybe it's time to actually downsize and get rid of the two handfuls and just have one handful and say, that's enough. Now, if you can't do this, then as I said, earn some more income or reduce your expenses. Notice it's not the 80-10-10 plan. If you spend first, you'll probably not save and you'll not give. No, no, it's 10, 10, 80. And it's just a rule. Maybe start with 5, 5, 90 if you can. Eventually, you might go 15, 15, 70. Give 15% away. Save 15. But if you will do something like this over time, I guarantee you'll be financially free. It's not just the giving part. It's the saving part. And it's controlling our expenses. You know, this is pretty simple. A 10-year-old could do this. Nicole and I have done this all our life. Our kids, we've trained them. Our church used to do this too. Give at least a tenth away. Save for the future. Spend less than we're earning. Uh, Businesses, it's just such a simple principle of the power of a budget. Hey, we've covered a lot today. Your money matters. It matters to God, hopefully to you too. We've looked at the dangers of money, and I think Angelo's story is a modern-day example of what the writer of Ecclesiastes was observing. The dangers of money, we've looked at the benefits of money, and just finished with a few ways to manage your finances well. Answer those four questions and endeavor to have a budget that gives you some freedom financially. Now, I'm sure some of you today, you've heard this message and you go, yeah, I agree with that, and you're doing really well. And so I want to commend you and say, hey, well done managing your finances, and maybe you can be someone who can help someone else. Or maybe you're here and you go, oh, I need to make a few changes. Maybe, maybe you're not saving, or maybe you're not giving, or maybe uh, you know, your, your debt's increasing and your assets are down, or maybe you're spending more than you're earning. Maybe you need to make some changes today. I want to pray for you to have the courage to do so. Or maybe you're here today, and if you're really honest, you're under tremendous financial pressure. And, and I want to say, if that's you today, you know, it took you a while to get to that point, and you probably won't get out of there today, but with some advice and some counsel and a bit of a plan, you can come out from destructive debt. It's a big difference between an, an appreciating asset. We can use debt to gain money. Uh, I'm not against debt, but destructive debt can be incredibly damaging. So if you're here today and uh, you're under a mountain of debt, you know, don't, don't stay there alone. Get, get some help. Get some advice. Uh, talk to a pastor, financial planner, and... Uh, you, 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 can, you can create a, a much better future. You know, as we, as we come to pray now, there's, there's some things that are far more mon- uh, important than money. Our relationship with God and people, can't put a price on that. Having a sense of peace and contentment. You can have a lot of money and no peace. You can have very little and have a sense of peace. Can't, can't put a price on peace and contentment, on living right. There's a lot more things that important than money. Money is important, but these other things are of great importance. Let me pray for you today. God, thank you for the book of Ecclesiastes. <laughs> this writer's grappling with all sorts of questions about life and the meaning of life. And 
They've got some amazing insights about wealth and its potential danger. And we see that in Angelo's story. Uh, Today, I pray that all of us would avoid those dangers. You would help us to be content with what we are, what's, what's in our hand now, as well as working hard giving, contributing to society. I pray for those that are doing well financially today. Lord, just I commend them. I, I bless them. I say, well done for managing your finances well. And may they be a blessing to many others. For some that need some changes today, maybe have been challenged by a thought that you would give them the courage to take that step, to make that decision today. No sermon changes us. It's only what we do with what we hear. For those that are under financial pressure today, maybe a big mountain of debt. God, let them receive hope from this message. May it arrest their attention. And I pray that they'd have the the courage to get some help, get some advice and, and start a journey. They can't go back and begin again, but they can start again today and have a new future. Mostly, Lord, we acknowledge that there's things far more important than money, and that's our relationship with you. And so bless each one of us today as we seek to live with you and for you. Those that are watching today that may not know you or here today, just reveal yourself to them. Uh, May we live for you and follow you every day of our life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Bless LifeGate. Bless every family, every individual here today. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au.